Hey there, everyone. Bill Smith here along with Dan Davidson. And today we have a special edition of Trek Geeks. And Dan, we have some very special guests with us today. Yeah, very special guests. Of course, we want to welcome back our good friend, John Billingsley, fantastic actor, and also another fantastic actor, Jonathan Del Arco, was with us. And also SAG negotiating committee member, Natalia Castellanos. Uh, and a fantastic let... actress. And a fantastic yeah. actor. I'm sorry. I, I I did not put that in my notes, and that is my bad. Uh, <laughs> we want to we let everybody know about a very special event that's coming up in just a few days. But first, we want to get an update on how things are going regarding the SAG-AFTRA and the WGA strike. So um, so let's start with uh, with you, Jonathan. Um, it's, it's great to see you. As I mentioned before we started recording, I had the opportunity to speak to you uh, a, a couple of years ago. It's good to see you again. And uh, what's what's happening, my friend? Well, I'm going to defer to Natalia on exactly oh. what is happening in terms of the strike, because she Excellent. is uh, not only more brilliant than I am, but also better informed about <laughs> what uh, what is happening in a granular manner. Um, and then you could I could I she could toss it back to me and I could tell you about the event we're planning around what's happening with the strike. So, Natalia, you, you go first. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Um, yeah, so, you know, of course, as everybody knows, we're already on day like 53 of the strike uh, for SAG-AFTRA and 127 for WGA. And some of the things that we're fighting for, of course, are similar, but there's also a couple nuances that are a little different because our our crafts are a little different, right? So for actors in general, right, we're, we're looking at uh, raising the minimums. But when we talk about ma- raising minimums, we're also including uh, inflation that that just has not our minimums have not gone up. And I do want to clarify because I've been reading a lot of stuff out there that people are like, why not ask for more than just minimums? Minimums is where our contract is the base pay, but that doesn't mean you can't negotiate higher than that, right? And that is just so that every single person that works the contract at least gets a livable wage. So that's where it kind of our our floor. Per, per se, right? There's no cap on the ceiling. Um, we're also looking at, you know, dealing with getting a piece of the pie for revenue sharing, right? So for our streaming companies, because the industry has shifted so drastically on the way that they distribute a lot of our our content with streaming, we as actors do not get paid right now um, when when things are streamed, right? So you see a show that somebody over here is in as well that uh you know we've seen that it has risen on netflix and all our actors on that show i'll just say it suits because i'm not on it um are not getting paid right they're not getting any residuals so what we're asking for is a percentage of their revenue that they're uh making because we're collaborators the other thing that we are working with of of trying to better and and change and shift is our health and pension, right? So to qualify for health insurance in SAG-AFTRA, you have to make $26,470 annually. And that means that throughout the year, whenever you qualify, you have to make that amount. 86% are of our 160,000 members do not qualify for health insurance. So out in the world, everybody thinks celebrities, it's just about celebrities, but no, this is the working class that we're looking at. And then, of course, you know, we have protections and guardrails around self-tapes, which is many people might not, you know, 
know what that is. And we'll maybe go into that later. But the next thing, which is a huge part, which I think everybody can relate to, is the existential threat of artificial intelligence, where they just want to pay us a half a day to um, get digital replicas of us and use our image and likeness and voice for whenever they want and not pay us anymore. So what we're asking for is, of course, consent and compensation, guardrails around AI. We're not trying to kill AI. We're just trying for it to work with us. So those are kind of like the umbrella points of what we're fighting for right now. Yeah. I'm all for killing AI. I mean, I'm I'm going to come right out and say it. Borg our part AI. <laughs> you uh, you asked where we were though. We are we are waiting for the AMPTP to come back to the table. Is that was my next question. Um, oh, has there been any response? No, they actually have not come back to the table for with us. They're right now sitting down with the WGA. Um, they're not getting that far because they're using the same old tactics. They're offering them the exact same stuff that. There might be a few gains, but not enough gains for the amount that we are so behind in our contract. Things that haven't changed in 40 years need to shift. And so they haven't come back to the table for hey, with us. The only thing that's changed is they've hired a new PR firm and right. that person is going to get fired. <laughs> One of the things that I'd, I'd really like to do, because I think sometimes, you know, it, it can be hard to understand the nature of the actor's life. Yeah. When we talk about a minimum, if... Somebody who's not in our business, here's what that minimum is. They might think, well, that's a fairly high amount. But we may only work one day a month. We may only work four days a year. It's not like a guy who goes to work every day and gets a paycheck every week. We rely on residuals to make up the difference when, as is often the case, we only get a small handful of jobs a year. There are 160,000 of us. There aren't enough jobs to go around to give everybody constant employment. It's the residual stream. It's the participation in that kind of profit sharing that allows an ecosystem to survive. And one of the things that I really have been talking about a lot that I want to keep stressing is that Star Trek believes in the value of an ecosystem in which everybody comes together to cooperate and collaborate to build a structure that is called a civilization. Right now, the AMPTP is essentially acting as if they have no responsibility to help support that ecosystem, to keep actors, writers, designers, and people in this industry at the table because they believe there is a possibility of making a career of this. So well, the, news, the news just broke this morning that that this is just give the, the audience context as to how foolish the studios are. Warner Brothers has lost 10 times the amount of money that they would have uh, had had they just paid us what we were what we've been asked. They've taught, they've lost 10 times the amount of money that they that it would have cost them to just make us whole as to as writers and actors. So for some reason they're digging their heels in on on these issues that are like life and death for working class actors, right? So um I don't understand it other than like corporate ego why it's gotten this far, but right. um you know, here we are. I mean that's some, some it, that's why we're, we've organized this particular event that we're going to talk about. Some historical perspective, which Natalia has talked about in the past, is that for 40 years, we've been essentially working with the same basic mm -hmm. model insofar as we're concerned. You know, they come to us, each contract has been the case, contract after contract, and say, we're going to we're going to continue to pay what you pay for primetime residuals, but we're going to pay a lot less for this new delivery system, cable television. 
Uh, all right, we'll see how it works. Well, cable television, surprise, surprise, worked. Okay, now this new delivery system, DVDs. Hey, we don't know if that's going to work, so we're going to pay you a little bit on that. Well, all right. We've now umpteen delivery systems later come to believe that at no point have they ever been interested in actually making up the difference between what they paid us and what they said we would eventually get once the delivery system proved viable. We are now in a delivery system in which they are essentially paying. Okay, we don't know if this delivery system streaming is going to work. So how about we pay you nothing? And wow. then we'll see where we're at in, I don't know, a few years. And it, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. I also want your audience to understand something really important. I, I think I think John touched on it, that when you say what the minimum is for an actor, you think, oh, that's not bad for a day's pay. Again, John covered the fact that we only get to work, uh, you know, four days a, a year, if we're lucky. Uh, that may sound like we're on vacation the rest of the time. We're not. We're working other jobs. Most of us are working other jobs, waitering, barista, babysitting, you name it, every actor I know has done every other job. And, and on top of which, we're preparing material. If we're lucky enough to have a few auditions a week, that is several days of learning lines for a job I probably won't get. So we are constantly investing and investing and investing. We're being constantly asked to invest time and blood and our souls to this to this profession so that when the payday comes, we should see our payday. We should get residuals for the work we do because that work cost us dearly. And jo Jonathan and I are, are doubtless, you know, uh, fortunate relative to other people in our union. We've we've we do work a bit more than that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people might be surprised to find out that it's not that much more, but mm -hmm. we work more. But the thing is, is that if you're an older actor, if you're an older writer, one of the reasons we're as passionate about this is because we knew how hard it was to climb a ladder, but there was still a ladder to climb. If That's right. No perception of there being a ladder to climb. If you don't see any possibility of being able to make a living in this industry, then you will quit and do something else, in which case this industry that we're passionate about and the arts generally will lose the next generation of artists. Mm -hmm. So we are fighting for... I believe the people who are coming up behind us. And and Natalia, correct me if I'm wrong, when you were talking about it, you're talking about the 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 revenue sharing. We're talking about studios that are making billions of dollars. And I read an article the other day and and I may be misphrasing, but something along the lines of if 1% of that profit were spread out amongst the uh, the SAG folks, it would take care of more than what is being asked for in these negotiations. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, I mean, we we don't have a uh, um, per se a, t a value on our contract yet until we make a deal, mm -hmm. right? That's when the valuation of any contract happens, and then we can. But as it stands right now, yes, they're they're million billion multi billion dollar companies that are profiting hugely on all of our work, and that could help. That little small percentage that, for example, on the revenue share, which we're asking for 2%, which, by the way, that's just a starting point. Mm -hmm. We are not, this is a negotiation. It goes back and forth. Right. We might end in a 1%, a half percent this time. We just want the structure to be built there. 
And that could take care of that. They just don't like to be transparent. And it's also you have to look at the nature of the way these numbers are thrown around. If you consider Amazon or Disney, they've got multiple pieces of pie. One piece of pie is they produce shit. Another piece of pie is they sell that shit to their own distribution network. So if they define a particular slice of their pie as being the loss-taking piece of pie, it doesn't mean that the business writ whole isn't a huge profit-making pie. So there's a lot of fuzzy math that is difficult to parse, that is intentionally designed. Design. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Design. And I dare say, it's kind of surprising the CEC hasn't caught up to this. How, how a Netflix doesn't deliver to their shareholders their numbers of how many view, viewers they have seems to be completely illegal. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't like if a company like would hide their math from their shareholders. It makes no sense. And I'm kind of waiting to see when the shareholders on these big companies are going to start saying, make a deal because you're fucking shit up. You know what I mean? So I'm waiting for that moment. It's going to happen at some point when content runs out and they're going, wait a minute, why do I have stock in Warner Brothers, right? If it's not producing. So. Well, and if you think about it, right, a lot of these companies are now going to AVOD, which is uh, ads um, video on demand, right? Advertising video on demand where they're they need to start showing you know on streaming they need to start showing these companies um that how much revenue they're also making to and show them data because you know people that are putting commercials on the air they need to know that was happening prior to streaming but now with the streaming platforms they're just hiding it all to get they know the numbers they just don't want us to know them and to get back to the ecosystem question what is so frustrating is to a certain extent the the corporations painted themselves into a corner with streaming in many respects. And they've now turned around and said, well, we can't quite figure out how to make this profitable. You know, we don't have advertising and the subscription, we can't charge that much more. So we're going to ask you guys to pay for it by, in essence, not making any money off it. How about that? Yeah. Uh, you know, if something is broken, everybody who lives with the the effect of the brokenness needs to be part of the solution. And I think that's one of the things that, to me, is really imperative, is that people in labor unions talk to their bosses right now, and we need to stop saying, please, sir, may I have some more, and start saying, we're partners. We make something together. You can't do it without us. We can't do it without you. Let's talk about how the structure can be improved. Candidly, that's how it works in Germany to a much greater extent, and is how it used to work in America. Interesting. I, I, I think the thing that I've learned in this process is that I really know very little about labor agreements, especially when it comes to entertainment. Uh, I've, I feel like I've become so educated in this process, and I still only know this amount. I, I think I'm, I'm embarrassed to think that this is how it works in this country, because for all of the the entertainment and the education and the the emotion that we get through these these artistic works to hear that the people who who are embodying them are essentially getting nothing really just makes me weep for the future of humanity in a way and the fact that we just don't respect art the way that you know we I'd like do. to think we once did we still get something from certain delivery systems a sure. prime time rerun. We yeah. get something from cable right. television or foreign residuals, but the big driver now, I mean, it's just the nature of how people watch television. It's streaming. That's the model that's not paying. 
And you and you look at how these companies, right? Uh, I feel like, you know, Netflix was the one that kind of shifted things in a very different way, right? Where streaming is now the thing. And they just they just don't even think about everything else that that happens, right? So with our cable subscriptions or our direct TV subscriptions or, you know, any of that, we used to pay a good a chunk to get a bunch of different channels and it was in a bundle and all of that good stuff. All of that money went towards the syndication of some of these shows, the ads, all of this stuff. Streaming, they're charging us five, six, twelve, fifteen dollars a month for a streaming. You're not getting the money, but you're not then paying us the right amount. You're getting all of this free stuff mm-hmm. for a lot less. And like Snoop said, if there's a thousand a million streams, I need to see where's those a million dollars. Like it's true. <laughs> where it, what's happening? Oh, and and they killed a bit of a golden goose. I mean, I, I I think some of it is there's money there that they're hiding. Some of it is that they made a big mistake. Advertising, yeah. it pays a lot of freight. I mean, if if Joe Schlobotnik can for ten bucks a month have this vast library without any ads, well, that's that's a huge amount of money that is simply not being funneled into the system. Mm-hmm. Right. That was going to be something I said is is you can pay an extra four dollars on your streaming subscription to be ad free. That four dollars certainly cannot cannot even come close to to the 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 money that is that is being. I don't even know if lost is the right word. One of the things that's awkward about the conversation, and, uh, and forgive me, I'm not on the SAC negotiating committee, but I think one of the things that's really challenging is to talk to people who are consumers and say, we as consumers sometimes mm-hmm. kind of want the best possible deal without regard to whether or not the people who are making the thing mm-hmm. we want to enjoy are right. actually going to get paid. Right. You know, I think it really, I keep coming back to the journalism industry and what happened with newspapers. People wanted news for free. And and by God, you can get news for free now, but consequently, newspapers are almost dead in yeah. America, and right. they played vital public service. Well, you can almost say the truth is up for, for sale, right? Because because you're, because you're shopping right. the news you want to hear as opposed to real news, which is what you used to pay a subscription for. You paid reporters to go get the news. <laughs> now I you're love you, man. <laughs> and and some of these some of these problems are are you know. I don't want to say they're intractable, but they're extremely difficult. But right. you can't one one constituency can't solve it without regard to the way it impacts the entire ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Natalia, I have one question with regards to AI. You you talked about that briefly a minute ago, and then we'll get on to our big event that we wanted to uh, to talk about. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference something without using names, if I can. In the well, past, we've names. had what's that? I said you can use names. Oh, okay, great. In <laughs> in in Rogue One, for example, Carrie Fisher is digitally made, and and uh, and and the actor who played um, Governor Tuck, and the name is escaping me, which it shouldn't be. Is that just the beginning of what we are seeing the studios go towards in that type of thing, where where if the actor has passed away, is it going to be a different kind of offshoot of the negotiations as to whether the estate allows that and what they're going to pay versus what you're talking about, which is far more dangerous in terms of just having somebody come in for a short amount of time and get paid virtually nothing for it. 
Yeah, so that is actually something that we're dealing with right now in the room right now, because the studios wanted to not pay deceased uh, actors for their image and likeness and just use it whenever they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that, you know, funny that you mentioned Carrie Fisher, because her sister is actually on our negotiating committee as well. And, you know, she's like, that's my sister. You need to pay the estate. You need to compensate and ask because at the end of the day, imagine if your image and likeness is digitally replicated and nobody comes to you and says, you know what, we're going to put you in this really risque film and mm -hmm. you just see your your image and likeness in a risque film and you're like, well, wait, I, I never allowed that. And this is where how advanced AI has already become is that it can remove clothes it can add on makeup. It can put on clothes. It can fix so many different things. It could change me as a Latina to look Asian. It can change my hair color to be red, whatever the case may be. And it's gotten so advanced. And so that is stuff that we're fighting now to be compensated. And these contracts, this is why it's so timely is because our contracts are negotiated every three years. And the way AI has, you know, a lot of people are mentioning chat GPT, but there's actually behind the scenes, even better chat GPTs out mm -hmm. there that are much better than what we, we, the public see. Um, if that is changing so rapidly in three years, I mean, it, there's just no way we're going to be able to catch up. Now is the time. And envision the bar scene in star Wars or envision a uh, Rick's place in Casablanca or envision any crowd scene where they can just do it digitally where they yeah. don't actually have to have live actors. It's not just all those people who are background artists and 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 people who have one-line roles who are suddenly no longer getting work. It's also the makeup artists and the hairstylists and the production assistants and the people who rent out the motor coaches, the crafts people, the catering, <laughs> catering yeah. It, it, it is, again, it is the short-sighted desire to save a buck in making a particular project by putting a spear through a great teeming beating heart of the people who make up the ecosystem and one last thing um, oh i was just going to add one last thing to that is you know with ai we've already seen amazing things like with cgi and creations around that but the problem we're okay you know that's not something that we're like don't do that anymore it's just now what they want to do is then you've already worked that scene and then they can actually fill just that scene Right. So you got paid for the time there. But what they're trying to do is if they hired me, for example, as a background uh, actor in one of those scenes that John just mentioned, they pay me for that scene. But then they can take my digital replica and put it on any other scene. And then what they're doing is they're, you know, eating at your your other days of work and your other hours of work. So, so two weeks of background in Spartacus becomes half a day. Right. 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 It, it, one of the things that's amazing to me, and I, and I said I had one more thing, but I have one more thing. <laughs> one, one more thing is amazing to me. And, and this happened to me just this past weekend is a lot of people out in the public who are who are watching what's going on with with the struggles that you guys are having with the strike and the negotiations. Only think of the actors and only think of the people in front of the camera. And there's so many people that are being affected behind the command. My my nephew is getting married in a few weeks, and I just found out that his fiance's uncle is part of WGA and hasn't worked for five months. Yeah. And you just and you just don't you don't know how it's affecting so many more people than just what we see on TV. And, and I think it's the economy. 
right? Like yeah. it's not just about the writers or the actors or the producers. It's the entire economy where these studios create like where they are production hubs, whether it be Atlanta or Chicago or New York or Dallas or Florida, anywhere. When they go to those cities, we are talking about hotels are being um, booked up. We're talking about restaurants and local businesses and coffee shops and supermarkets. All of that goes up. That is all part of the ecosystem and the economy. And without that, nobody can survive. Yeah. So it's affecting and, you as well. One union, but unions matter. And this is the thing I think what we really also want to keep talking about is the idea that it, while it may be difficult for people to parse the particular nature of the way we pursue our work, in the end, we're laborers. Like laborers in other industries, all labor fights for the same thing. And historically, we've all fought for essentially a decent wage, the opportunity to buy a house, the opportunity to send your kids to school, the ability to retire, the ability to not work yourself to death during a job. Everything that we take for granted as Americans was fought for by labor. A lot of people would look at us. Bill Maher made a snotty remark on television. Yeah. Effectively saying, well, who do you think you are? Cesar Chavez? Who cares what you're going through? But the reality is that everybody in labor unions is fighting mm -hmm. for the same fundamental rights that have been stripped away from us very thoughtfully. And I think this is really important, very thoughtfully by a political class and a corporate class that wants to keep labor earning less. That's what allows corporations to make more money. That's right. what allows people who get donations from corporations to make more money. If the labor makes less, business prospers. Labor used to be a third of the workforce. Now it's a tenth of the workforce. Wow. Amazing. So, so let's turn this into, you know, what's going to happen later this week. Obviously, September 8th, the 57th anniversary of when Star Trek debuted on network television. Um, Jonathan, since Dan was going to start with you, I'll come back to you okay. um, and ask you, how, how did this idea to have this uh, organized, combined picket in both L.A. and New York come about for Star Trek Day? Well, the genesis of it, it started in May when I was picketing with the writers just because I had friends on the picket line and once writers went on strike, I thought this is my strike too, because we can't act without scripts. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> so I went picketing and uh, someone on the line, one of the captains recognized me from my role on the franchise. That's how I refer to the show and said, Hey, we're doing a special picket for the franchise outside Paramount on this date. Do you want to come? And I said, well, I'll come and I'll call my friends. So I call, I emailed John who has a great list of, of, of uh, actors, franchise actors and i said we got the word out well that picket which i think the writers were averaging maybe 50 or so picketers a day that day they had between 500 and a thousand people wow show. it wasn't announced it just went viral from a, a word of mouth this is just people in hollywood that are fans of the franchise showing up it was amazing so when we were on strike i ran into john and he goes hey when are we going to do one of these for us <laughs> and i said that's a great idea let's noodle it and then i thought well or we or we thought together the the the, the day that commemorates gene roddenberry's vision of the future september 8th uh would be a fantastic day because that day the corporate giants use it to sell their network and their shows and they use yeah. us to be frank 
they don't pay us. We show up to these events, we get fed, and we get a couple of cocktails, and that's about it. <laughs> we do a red carpet, we dress up. That's it, folks. We don't get paid to go to to the, celebrate that day, but it's a fun day. I get to see my friends, and I always go. And I thought, well, this day, let's take it back. Let it be about the fans. Let it be about the, the people that create the show, not the suits that pay the checks. Let it be about the creators, right? And the fans, because the fans have always been, in my opinion, not just the reason Star Trek exist i said it sorry but the reason we've all had jobs because the fans have maintained even my lifestyle through the cons and and through supporting me in my own career so it's the first time we've opened the door to having fandom come in and pick it with us it's a real picket it's not an event it's not a convention um john will give you more details on it but we're really excited about it we have a great response from fan groups we've had a great response from actors we've got Amazing actors showing up, including these two beautiful people. And uh, George Takei is coming, who was a part of the the. He he just wrote us that I I was at the picket in, forty years ago, right? Oh, wow. Where Ronald Reagan apparently showed up. Yeah. 60, 19. yeah, so he's coming. Jerry Ryan, and we just have a ton of a fantastic Trek people it, that are going to be there and fans. So it is a picket. And I think that's really important for us to right. kind of make sure we, people understand if, if this was, um, if we had speeches and a podium and microphones and all that, then we would have to pull a permit because it's a picket. It's a moving picket. Everybody's going to be walking with the signs. There's no cap on attendance. So we really are aiming to get as big a crowd as we possibly can. So those folks who are thinking of coming, particularly in Los Angeles, between 10 and noon at the Melrose Gate in front of Paramount, please think about taking Uber, Lyft, public transportation. Parking's going to be at a premium. Sign in, even if you're not a union member, at either the WGA or the SAG tables. If you want to bring a homemade sign, just be be funny, be tasteful. Don't reference the shows, the individual mm -hmm. shows or any of the characters. Please no cosplay. And please understand that we're not, because we have to move, we can't really right. stop and do selfies or take, you know, do autographs. It is, however, a communal spirit. I, I think it's really important for us to make sure that the fans understand that the more they can join us in saying, get back to the table and negotiate, the better. So even if you can't come, Think about calling a studio. Think about postcarding. Think about writing a letter. Thinking about think about tweeting. Think about social media. I really think that if the fans of all the shows, all the franchises, start making a clamor, that it can only keep moving the PR needle in our direction. Mm -hmm. If you are the coming, to, oh sorry, I was going to say if you are coming to New York or LA, make sure to bring sunscreen, a lot of water, some right. electrolytes, um, comfortable shoes any of that so that you know you're taking care of so you uh, no united pets. no pets no pets no pets yes. so you, united we trek and it's it's amazing that uh back in the late 60s um when when the franchise got originally canceled the letter writing campaign is what actually saved the show and now 57 years later we are where we are so yeah what you said john i think is incredibly important writer letting letter writing campaigns i think are extremely important from a fan side of things um to the studios i know that the bill and i have had conversations with regards to do these online petitions really 
really hammer home the message. And, and, and I don't think we believe that they really do. So I think that what you said about writing to the studios is, is extremely important as well. Yeah. Or see if you can call and, you know, make your way through the phone system. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it is the squeaky wheel. No, I really need to speak to somebody. I really, can you put me through to somebody in, uh, I used to do it when I would call Congress. And sometimes it's interesting if you just won't get off the line or if you call back or if you're persistent with the staffer, you might get to somebody who's a little higher up than you would have anticipated. Right. It helps to know enough about it to be able to speak um, intelligently. That's the other thing I would say is educating yourself on the issues, um, going to the SAG-AFTRA or the WGA uh, websites and reading about what it is we're doing, and and even to a certain extent looking at what some of the other labor unions in the country are doing. It, it's this is the uh, what is it called, Natalia? The uh, hot labor summer. Hot labor summer. Hot labor summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That it is. So oh, obviously in L.A. it's at the the Melrose Gate at Paramount. Where is it at in New York? Fifteen fifteen Broadway. Broadway. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I figured for us for us East Coasters that was probably good info to you know to, to probably get out there. Even though Dan and I are are in New Hampshire and we'll be nowhere near New York City that day. Yeah. Um. It's so, still important to get the word out. Something to throw out is that if it, it, you know this is just one brick on the wall. It's one day. You know yeah. we are thickening every day at every studio in the East Coast and the West Coast, and different people associated with different franchises and different shows are doing their own themed events. So if there are other shows and other franchises that you want to support by supporting the crews and the actors. Take a look at the SAG and WGA calendar of pickets and see if there's anything else you might want to go to. And there are also pickets and labor actions all over the country, you know, because there's production all over the country. Right. So, you know. And for SAG-AFTRA, it's uh, sagafterstrike.org, and that's where you can find uh, your local um and see what special pickets they're having or rallies because you know we're mentioning la and new york but this is happening globally we have rallies in tennessee and atlanta and chicago and everywhere so just check in there and you can see you know what's happening and the good, the good news about production spreading all across the country to a certain extent is it means it works spreads all across the country and it feeds a lot of different ecosystems the potential bad news is sometimes the people who are trying to work elsewhere are trying to kind of drive costs down too. Mm -hmm. So to a certain extent, we within our union are trying to make sure that no matter where you're producing, there are certain labor protections that will always be enforced. There are certain contracts that will always be enforced. You can't lowball somebody because you're shooting in Tallahassee as opposed to, as opposed to, as opposed to. Right. So we're all in this together and it's a national and indeed a global movement. Well, I'll tell you what, if Bill and I could fly out to L.A., we would definitely be there. And you guys got to send us some pictures because just hearing about what happened at the Writers Guild uh, pickets, Jonathan, I can only imagine what it's going to be like on Friday. I know. Uh, so we got to get some pictures of that. It's United We Trek, folks, uh, in Los Angeles. It's uh, September 8th, Friday, of course, 10, 10 to 12 uh, Pacific time at uh, 5433 Melrose Ave. And in New York City, it's going to be from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, at 1515 Broadway. Natalia, Jonathan, John, everyone here at Trek Geeks unequivocally supports what is going on. We love you guys. We hope that everything comes out the way that it should be and you get what you deserve. Wait, I've we got to have 
and John has one more thing. So my <laughs> awesome wrap up. Wrapping up, you're wrapping up before there's one more thing. <laughs> I hesitate to I hesitate to ask this because there's always so much need in people's lives. And because I particularly think coming from somebody who's done fairly well, it sounds sort of like, you know, falsely false. But the the SAG Foundation, SAG After Foundation, there are a lot of people in our industry, 160,000, who are really suffering, who aren't able to make a house payment, a rent payment, put food on their table. So if you are inclined at all to support people in this industry as they're trying to climb a ladder, as the ladder is being lifted out of their reach, you might consider making a donation to the SAG After Foundation. And, and that's SAGAFTRA.Foundation. Sag dot foundation and and john as you may remember a few weeks in vegas you put your money where your mouth is and did a semi uh, strip tease at our it, live podcast it wasn't his mouth raise money. it wasn't and, really it wasn't really a strip tease it was people were saying put it back on put right. it back on and that's they were, true yeah. And we raised two hundred and fifty dollars, so it was uh, so that was for for a good cause. So I, I didn't even get my shirt unbuttoned either. It was not. You got thank your first God. shirt unbuttoned oh, because my, you put it on my, my head, and I'm never going to get over <laughs> that. So. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, we can't thank you guys enough for being here to let us know what's going on and to promote this wonderful event on Friday. We look forward to having you all back at some point uh, for another update. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.